Hear the word of the Lord from Matthew 14. Now, when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Now, when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, They need not go away. You give them something to eat. They said to him, We have only five loaves here and two fish. And he said, Bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass, and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of the broken pieces left over. And those who ate were about 5,000 men, besides women and children. The word of the Lord. Amen. You guys may be seated. As you take your seat, let's pray together. Our Lord and our God, as your people were gathered this morning, In your name we gather, to you we cling. Lord, in our gatherings today, there are some of us who are barely holding on. And we pray that you would hold us fast. We pray that you would keep us in faith. We pray that you would comfort us with your love. pray you would nurture us and move us forward with you. Lord, there are others of us who are just numb, distracted. Lord, I pray that you would awaken us. Would you awaken us to the greatness of your grace the greatness of who you are, the greatness of what you have done for us. There are are others of us who simply don't know you. So Lord, would you open our eyes to give faith this day? Lord, we believe that you are good, that you give life, that you sustain life, and that you redeem. We believe that your word, your Bible, your scripture is true. And in it, we will find the paths of life. So, Lord, we look to you. We look to your word now. Help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, it's great to see you all this morning. If you haven't done so already, please take a Bible. Turn to the book of Matthew chapter 14, uh, where Brandy was just reading for us. If you didn't bring a Bible this morning or you don't have one, there should be one underneath the chair in front of you that you can use. And if you don't own one, please, please take it. Uh, at Redeemer, we're studying through uh, the gospel of Matthew. And in studying through the gospel of Matthew, today we come to a very commonly known story. 
It's the story of Jesus feeding well over 5,000 people with virtually nothing. This actually is one of very few miracles of Jesus that appear in all four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And it conveys to us its importance in our understanding who Jesus is. So, the end from the beginning. Here's the point from this passage. This miracle points toward the ability of Jesus to perform the miraculous and points toward his role as God's Messiah, God's King, God's Redeemer. So this work points toward the ability of Jesus to perform miraculous acts and points toward his role as God's King and Redeemer and Messiah. We're in a section of Matthew that that began at the end of chapter 13. It's going to go all the way through chapter 16. And this is where it's moving. This is where Matthew is moving his readers and where he's moving us. Jesus looks at his disciples in Matthew chapter 16, verse 15, and says, Who do you say that I am? Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. This is where Matthew is moving us to see and believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Savior, the Messiah, the Son of the living God, bringing God's kingdom here for his people. So in this story, first, and if you want to take notes, the first point is food for today. Food for today. In this story, we see Jesus perform a miraculous act, and the miraculous act provides his crowd with what they needed in the moment, food for today. Now, in spite of many ways to work around the facts, I am preaching today, and I would compel you to believe today that this is no metaphor. It really happened. There really were 5,000 people plus women and children. And if women and children also includes male teenagers, the miraculous nature of this goes through the roof. And my wife just said amen out loud. First time in 12 years? No, okay. But we are preaching and teaching this from the reality of something that really happened. It really happened. So let's first consider the act, the miraculous act, and then we'll consider maybe why Matthew is including this real story here. So look at verse 13. Now, when Jesus heard this, this this goes, the, the this goes all the way back to uh, the beginning of chapter 14, where Herod thought that Jesus was reincarnated John the Baptist. So when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. So Jesus has withdrawn, and we're told that the 
Crowds heard where he went, and they followed him from the towns. And when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. So, so there, we're told the motivation of Jesus in all of this. He had genuine compassion for the crowds. And in his genuine compassion for the crowds, he is again performing these miraculous acts, these powerful acts of healing that are good for them and display his care and compassion for them. And when evening came, it was time to eat. Evening came, it was time to eat. And the disciples, being very astute in their common sense, said, Hey, it's the end of the day, Jesus. People are hungry, and there's no McDonald's around here. So, like, I get the sense that they were in one of those places that only had, like, $1 general and no streetlights, okay? Like, like that kind of place. Um, it's time to eat. People are hungry. Well, Jesus didn't say, oh, that doesn't matter, I'm filling them with spiritual food and that will sustain them. Rather, he said, don't send them away, verse 16, but you give them something to eat. Oh, you feed them. Well, Jesus, there's only one problem here. We have five rolls about the size of like Logan's Roadhouse. We have five rolls and two freeze-dried pickled Fish. I don't think that will feed the crowds. So Jesus said, bring that to me. And they placed it in front of him. He prayed over it. He prayed a, prayed a blessing over it and said, go serve. And we're told that, they, that he broke the loaves and said, go serve. And we're told here, all of them ate, and were satisfied. So everyone got what they needed in the food for today realm. And afterward, they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces left over. I've just, I'm, I'm, on, I'm on a crusade to convince you that you don't have to go to seminary to be able to read and understand the Bible. So I'm just going to bring a tidbit every week here. Okay, and so here's your tidbit this week. It doesn't matter how many baskets of bread were left over. It just doesn't. We don't have to speculate. We don't have to pray about it. We don't have to have days of prayer and fasting about it. And we don't have to write hundreds of pages or dissertations about it. What this means is Jesus had compassion for the people. He provided for the need. And when they got done, they had more than they started with. That doesn't make sense. Unless something miraculous is happening here. Okay, see? We can understand the Bible. Okay. Jihad over for today. Come back next week. And then, here's the, the point that just really drives the nail home. Verse 21. Those who ate were about 5,000 men, besides women and children. So if everybody was a plus one, we're at 10,000. If everybody was a plus two, we're at 15,000. 
this is intensely over the top. A meal for one, a meager meal for one, has now, through the work of Jesus, fed 5,000 men plus women and children. So, from this miraculous act, what are we supposed to take from this? Number one, we're supposed to take that Jesus is able to do all things. That's what we're supposed to take. Jesus is able, is able to do all things. Making food from nothing, not normal. Feeding people without visiting a farm or a grocery store or a merchant, not normal. So Jesus is able to do all things. And we said last week, when we looked at verse four, chapter 14, verse 12, his disciples, sorry, chapter 13, verse 58, speaking of his hometown, he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. We said, Jesus has performed these mighty works to affirm and confirm that he is God's chosen, sent one. And so from this miraculous act, we take that Jesus is able to do all things. It doesn't mean that he has to. It doesn't mean that he's a magic genie, that if we just say the magic incantation, we get what we want from him. But it means that he is able. So just hold up your crisis. And I'm not denigrating anyone's crisis. Let me be really clear. Hold up your how long, O oh Lord, moments from this week. Hold up your I don't know how to take one step forward. And insert there, Jesus is able. He's able. So I will go to him. I'll go to him. I'll cry out to him. I'll ask him. I'll trust him. Because I believe that he is able. And if you're like, man, feeding 5,000 people, that doesn't convince me. Well, next week he's going to walk on water and make Peter walk on water. So we're just going to keep going down this path of he is able he is able. He is able. He is able. Now, I'm going to delve into a realm that's far, far outside of my expertise. Um, when it comes to like comic books and heroes and action heroes, see, the problem is not just the ability, but it's what do you do with the ability? And I'm going to get back out of that realm and back to the Bible. But notice something in this passage. It says that Jesus, in verse 14, was motivated by compassion for his followers. He was motivated by compassion for his followers. So second, this story tells us that Jesus is not only able, but he cares about his people. He cares about them. 
It says he taught them because he had compassion. It says that he, he healed them because he had compassion. And now it's saying he fed them because he had compassion. Compassion means compassion. It means he cares. He cares. So again, hold up that grid of that, that crisis that's defining us right now. And not only does this story say he is able, but this story says he cares about his people. He cares. He's not flippant. He's not calloused. He's not, he cares. He cares. And third, I believe this story conveys to us that Jesus even cares about the things that seem really trivial on the surface. Jesus cares about the things that seem really small and trivial on the surface. I mean, think about what's playing out here. He's healing people that have been lame from birth. He's healing people that are sick and don't know what to do. He's revealing that he's the savior of the world, that he's the one God has sent to redeem his people. And yet he's like, they need to eat, so I will feed them. It would have been really easy to dismiss that. If I were in charge of this gathering, I just would have dismissed it. I would have called a day of fasting. It's cheaper that way. But I'm not Jesus. I'm not able. I'm not compassionate. So it's not. Even things which seem trivial, the Lord is eager to work in them. That's a pretty decent sermon there's something more that we need to see. There's, a, there's another massive reason why this passage is put here for us. And that's our second point. Moses for Israel. I believe that Matthew is conveying something. If we could change the slide, that'd be awesome. Um, Moses for Israel. I believe that Matthew... Is trying to convey a huge theological point for us. Jesus, in this particular act, I believe is biblically and intentionally calling to the people of Israel that I am the one you've been waiting for. I'm the one that you've been longing for. I believe it's included to shape the readers wrestling with the question, who is Jesus? And if that reader comes from this Jewish background, it's intended to say he's the one God's been promising for centuries upon centuries. How do we get there? Well, if you know the story of Israel at all, the people of Israel were set free from bondage and captivity in Egypt. That's recorded for us in the book of Exodus. They were miraculously delivered. They miraculously defeated Pharaoh. They get out to the wilderness and they're like, uh-oh, how are we going to eat? Sound familiar? 
How did they eat? God every morning miraculously provided them bread from heaven. Every morning, bread from heaven. The leader of the people through this navigation in the wilderness was Moses. So Moses met with the Lord. Moses spoke the word of the Lord to the people. Moses led the people to Mount Sinai and toward the promised land. So to those enjoying the bread, what we see is a remembrance of God miraculously providing for his people in the wilderness, day after day after day, and year after year after year. And Moses was the leader. And maybe, maybe you're questioning rightly, why were the people expecting God to send a Savior? Why were the people expecting God to send a Messiah? Well, because God told them he was going to. And one of the key places where God began promising a Savior to come was near the end of Moses' life in Deuteronomy chapter 18. And if you want to turn over there, take a minute and do so. Deuteronomy chapter 18. God's preparing them for the promised land and he's preparing them for Moses' departure. And in verse 13, he says, you shall be blameless before the Lord your God. For these nations which you are about to dispossess listen to fortune tellers and to diviners. But as for you, the Lord your God has not allowed you to do this. Verse 15. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen. Just as you desired of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly, when you said, let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God or see this great fire anymore lest I die. And the Lord said to me, they are right in what they have spoken. Verse 18, I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers. And I will put my words in his mouth and he shall speak to them all that I command him. So from this prophecy forward, God's people are waiting on that one like Moses who will speak God's words and God's direction to them to guide the people forward. I don't think that this illusion is accidental. I just don't. I think the bread for today was intended to connect to the manna, which was intended to beg the question, who is the one who provides us bread for today? It's God. It's God's agent, God's sent one, God's Messiah. This is the one like Moses whom we have been waiting for. 
Matthew is making the point that Jesus is the better Moses that God's people have been waiting for to guide them and lead them and deliver them and carry them home. So if that's true, what do we do? I think we let the imperatives of Deuteronomy 18 drive us. We listen to Jesus and we follow Jesus. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. If Jesus is able and compassionate and cares and is the Savior, what do we do? We listen to him, we trust him, and we follow him. Church, Jesus is this figure. He is this Savior. He is this Son of God raised up by God to guide his people home. So let's go with Jesus and let's listen to his word, his teaching, his guiding above all else. Let's listen to him. So who guides us forward? Jesus does. Who's right in all he says? Jesus is. In whom do we trust? Jesus, the Son of God. Let's be the people who listen to Jesus and follow him. Let's be the ones who move with him. So friends, this means our primary voice is Christ. It's Christ. If I'm leading you contrary to Christ, I am not worthy of following. If your favorite preachers online are leading you contrary to Christ, they are not worthy of following. If social media is leading you contrary to Christ, it is not worthy of following. If your friends are leading you contrary to Christ, they are not worthy of following. It doesn't mean they're not worthy of being human, and it doesn't mean they're not worthy of being your friends, but it means they're not worthy of following. And every day, we come to the point of, who will I follow today? Christ. I can't do that alone. That's fine. Surround yourself with people who will follow Christ so we can do it together. Surround yourself with voices who will point you to Christ so that our hearts and our minds will be attuned to him. He's the one that God promised to send who would speak his word to the people. So let's listen to him. Our Father and our God, we pray now that you would take these words which you have spoken and you would teach them to us and cause them to cling to us and move us. Help us, O oh God, we pray now to follow you and to love you and to serve you. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.